0: Join my mom now as she offers us Love Rules from Roxbury Presbyterian Church.
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome to Love Rules, today's message at a loss for words. And our text this morning is is one I don't use very often, and I'm going to read it all. It's Amos, the eighth chapter, the fourth through the twelfth verses. It's kind of long, but you'll see why I'm reading it all pretty soon, I hope. Hear this you that trample on the needy and and bring to ruin the poor of the land, saying, when, When will the new moon be over, so that we may sell grain in the Sabbath, so that we may offer wheat for sale? We will make the ephah small and the shekel great and practice deceit with false balances, buying the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and selling the sweepings of the wheat. The Lord has sown by the pride of Jacob. Surely I will never forget any of their deeds. Shall not the land tremble on this account, and everyone mourn who lives in it, and all of it rise like the Nile and be tossed about and sink again like the Nile of Egypt? On that day, says the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feast into mourning and your songs into lamentation. This text goes on and on and on. And it really is beautiful, but you have to think about it. It, It's some angry words. And I wanted to read more of it so you can get the kind of idea. The prophet is talking about people ignoring the poor. With all the rhetoric that's swirling around this presidential race, when will it be over? It seems nobody has been talking much about the poor. While much has been said about bolstering the country's middle class, about jobs, about getting the economy back on track, no one seems to want to mention that segment of the population that is really feeling the brunt of hard times. My church is located in a community disproportionately impacted by poverty. And just for the record, our neighbors didn't just start falling into poverty. We've been drowning in a flood of low-wage jobs for, you know, decades the difference today is it's not just affecting us. It's rising to crisis proportions all over the place. And and we have word that, that the economy is getting better, but it's still kind of rough out here. But none of the politicians, none of the people really talk much about the poor. We talk about wage inequality, and that's a step in the right direction, but not enough. Uh, not enough. Poverty, it seems, is is not as important to some of the people in the world as it should be. And I just want to remind you today that poverty matters to God. Poverty matters to God. I don't know if you're running for office if it matters to you, but it matters to God. Throughout the Bible, God commands his people to take care of the poor. Anyone who takes God's word seriously knows that we are to specifically help the poor. In the book of Psalms, I know the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and justice for the poor. Luke says, blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of heaven. James says, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? If ever there was an example, of the word of God being at odds with the words of a nation. It's the issue of poverty. We are focused on everything except what God wants us to focus on. And that's what the prophet Amos is warning the people. Hear this, you who trample on the needy and bring to ruin the poor of the land. Surely I will never forget any of your deeds. So I just want to take a few minutes today to talk about the prophet Amos because he's not a a prophet that I preach about very often. I don't know if many of us do. He's mad. He, he's angry. He's really angry. Now, Amos was not born in the king's court, nor was he a priest. He earned his living as a shepherd. So whether he was a hired hand or owned the flocks, Amos probably had a close proximity to poor people, and he's fed up. Amos preached during the reigns of Uzziah over Judah and Jeroboam over Israel. It was a time when both of those kingdoms were enjoying prosperity And you see, when people go through prosperity, often they neglect the poor. When life starts getting good, people tend to get cocky. When times get hard, people get mad. They get scared. But either way, they don't think about the poor. And that's what was happening in Israel during Amos' time. And that's what is happening in America right now. And according to Amos, God's patience is coming to an end. You don't have to worry about your candidates for president being angry. You need to worry about God's anger. Amos is a prophet of social justice. His prophecy is that nations will pay for injustice. Justice is founded in the very being of God. It is a core value of God. It is a part of God's nature. So Amos wants you to know that God calls his people to be holy as he is holy. But if you are not taking care of your poor, God will judge against you. God's judgment was not limited to Israel. The prophet announced judgment on all the surrounding nations. Every nation is accountable to God. We like to look at the world as having many gods, but there is only one God, as far as I'm concerned. He is the God of Isaac, and Abraham. He is the God of justice. He is the God of global justice. And we all have to answer him. Now, this is my belief. There is one God who rules over all the world. The problem has never been in the transmission. The problem is in the reception. We need to think about the poor, not just the poor in America, but the poor all over the world. You know, as I talk about all the time. I spent 11 years of my life going back and forth to East Africa where poverty is at a totally different level. You have no idea. People who who eat grass because they have no real provision. It is scary when you look at the world where 20% of the world's population controls 80% of the world's wealth and the rest of the world is barely making it. But that's who Amos is concerned about. That's what God is really concerned about. There is a price to pay for your behavior when you ignore the oppressed. And what makes God really mad, according to Amos, is Israel is still going to the temple. Israel is still acting as if it worships God, acting like everything is fine. People are pretending to be religious. The prosperous are pouring big bucks into their rituals thanking God for blessings and welcoming the day of the Lord. Amos says you bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three years. You burn leavened bread as a thank offering and and boast about them. But your worship means nothing if there is no justice. Your hypocrisy matters to God. When you just go through the motions of worship, it becomes a habit. That matters to God. That's why Amos comes down so hard on these people. He calls the rich men robbers. He calls the rich women cows. There is a consequence for disobedience. You will no longer hear the word of God. That's what Amos says. The time is coming when I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread or thirst of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Can you imagine that? How would the world be if we could not hear the word of God? You'd constantly be hit with a discourse on commercial television that that just makes you angry and want to slap somebody, but there'd be no word that offered you hope. You'd only hear the constant blare of sirens in the streets, and there would be no talk of peace. You would want to heal the rift that has split your family, but there's no word for forgiveness. Or your children are frightened in the middle of the night, and there's nothing that makes them feel safe. Because there's no way to express the shelter of God's love. What would it mean to have a famine of God's word? Now, I'm not talking about the words that preachers often get lost in, words of moral superiority or fingers pointing of judgment. I'm talking about the words of love and healing and God's grace. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden. My grace is sufficient. God's words should not make you afraid. Of course, if you're disobedient and willful and not trying to turn away from your wicked ways, you might be afraid and there may be good reason. But I would suggest that God's words are to bless you, to teach you, to lead you, to guide you, to keep you out of trouble, to give your life, abundant life. God's words are, are always born out of love. Because God is love. So everything God speaks from uh, correction and discipline comes from love. So what does that mean for us? We need to speak God's word. Not just at church, but to your neighbors, to your friends, to yourself. The tongue has the power of life and death. We need to speak God's words over our families. We need to speak God's words over our children. We need to speak God's words over our marriages and and over our schools and over our government and and over uh, the Middle East and over Europe and over terrorism and over violence and over pain and over everything that distracts us and takes us away from God. We need to speak God's words of power and might. We need to speak God's words of, of love in everything we do. We don't want to come to the time when God's words are no longer available to us. I, I think the prophet Amos is, is genius in bringing up this idea of disobedience leading to a loss of God's words. I pray for you today, wherever you are, in your car, at home, at work, that you know you have the power to speak God's words so we don't lose them. Be blessed. Thank you for tuning in.
0: Roxbury Presbyterian Church is located at 328 Warren Street, right in the heart of Roxbury. Come worship with us on Sundays at 11 a.m. This is a listener-supported program. We invite you to partner with us and learn the many ways that love rules. Visit us on our website, church.org, or call us at 617-445-2116. Love